Yeah, buddy. How we doing? How we doing? Hey, for all of you who love, to, I, know, I know some of you do this. Some of you don't give a flip what I wear. But for all of you who like normally like to check out what I'm wearing and you like critique me and stuff, see, some of you have already said, well, you're not supposed to wear white shoes after, um, after Labor Day. <laughs> Camera work, do your, do your work. You zoom in here. Looking at that eye right there. Do you see any flipping care about white shoes after Labor Day? <laughs> How we doing? Hey, welcome to the New Hope Nation. Glad you are here. Glad you are a part of our church today. If you are brand new, uh, I'm one of the pastors here. If you're a regular, man, we're so glad to have you. Would you come on, help me welcome all the campuses everywhere. Celebrate the movement. Ten campuses going throughout the world, and we're excited. And New Hope North Durham launched last Sunday for their very first grand opening. They had over 250 people. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I love your enthusiasm. Keep it going all day long. I'll preach better if you do that. Um, but they, 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 15 salvations on their very first Sunday. That's what we celebrate, church. That's what we celebrate. And, and, and while I got your attention on that, 128 people received Jesus Christ last week, went public with their faith, and crossed from death to life. 128 people in the movement. I've tried to tell you guys before, this is not normal. This is not normal, and we should never take it for granted. Amen. God is up to something very, very special here. Hey, um, worship concert this Wednesday. I want to call everybody from all the campuses. Worship concert this Wednesday, Holy Communion and Worship, 7 p.m., October 25th. Get out of your little comfort zone and drive to Hillsboro. We're having it at Hillsborough. We're decentralizing the movement. 512 U.S. Highway 70. Jot that down real quick. It's U.S. 70. You can also go online. But we're going to have a worship concert in the borough with Holy Communion. It's going to be great. Last thing, and then we're going to jump right in. Hey, um, we have a baptism party. Baptism. Probably the last baptism celebration of the year, by the way. And that is November 5th at all of our campus locations, November 5th. It's probably gonna be right after the last service. I know that's how it is at Durham and I'm, I'm certain that's how it is at all the other campuses. Right after the last service, we are going to have a baptism party on the patio. If you accepted Christ last week, now's your chance to go public with baptism or maybe you were already a Christian and you've, just, you've never really had a believer's baptism. That is your Sunday. What's the day? November 5th, great job. Hey, I'd like to tell you a story. And I'm telling you this story because it fits with the series that we're launching. But I'm also telling you this story because I've got a larger meaning that I want to unpack at the end of this story. But basically, I was watching television not long ago. How many of you like like great outdoors shows like National Geographic or the Animal Channel and all that? I love that kind of stuff. And I'm watching it, man. And all of a sudden, you know, they show all these things. All of a sudden, it showed a herd of buffalo and six lions. 
And the six lions were sitting over at a distance watching the herd of buffalo. And all of a sudden, one of the buffalo kind of wandered over here by himself. He was about 100 to 200 yards away from the herd of hundreds and hundreds of buffalo. The lions got ready and they went on the prowl. You've seen this? I love this stuff. They went on the prowl. I know I got issues. Um, <laughs> they went on the prowl and then all of a sudden you might be thinking, how, how does a lion or a few lions take down a buffalo, big old buffalo? Well, here's how. One of them locked onto the hill of the buffalo. And while that happened, another one jumped on the front leg. That slowed the buffalo down. About that time, another one jumped on the back. Jumped. I just did that. Yeah, I did. That's what white shoes will do to you, baby. Um, <laughs> he jumped on the back, and another one went up and got the stomach. And then the last one, the last one did what they always do. Went straight for the juggler, man. Went for the throat. It was gruesome and graphic. Or in the words of Lion King, it was the circle of life. <laughs> and they took him down. And they took him down. And like, I mean, I sat there and I watched that and I thought, what, what are the buffalo, the hundreds or 200 of them that were over there? They were all standing at a distance and they were watching this go down. <laughs> now, I don't know if buffalo think. <laughs> I don't know how they think. But if they do think, which I think they do, here's what I think they were thinking. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm glad I'm not that buffalo. <laughs> and they watched as it all went down. Now, we're starting a series on spiritual warfare, and the Bible says that Satan is like a lion roaring around, wanting to kill, steal, and destroy everything you deem sacred in your life. So that's, that's the illustration for the series. But here's a larger one. I want to talk to you today about online church, iCampus, Facebook Live, all these little tools that we've embraced. I went away on sabbatical, and while I was away, the staff launched all these things, and I'm excited. Praise God for them, right? We now have over 1,000 people. We get the stats, 1,000 people, sometimes just ramping up toward 2,000 people who watch church online on Sunday. And you send me your pictures like you're in your PJs <laughs> with your cup of coffee and your slippers on. You always, you always include the feet, right? And then you include your widescreen TV. And here's what I'd say to you. Online church was never intended for that. If I can love you enough to tell you, you need to get off your derriere and get in to the house of the Lord. Christianity, Christianity is not a solo sport. Now you might say, well, then why did y'all create it? Great question. I need to start defining this stuff for you. The reason we created these online resources is if you are sick. I mean like really sick. I don't mean like, <laughs> my throat hurts. No. If you're sick, I mean like sick, stay your derriere home and worship online. Just go, go to newhopechurch.org or go to Facebook Live. Or, or here's another, if you're traveling, 
If you're traveling, it's a great tool if you're traveling. Um, Here's another one. We find this is the case a lot of times. People move away from North Carolina or near a campus and they really want to stay connected to New Hope Church. Great reason for these resources. Here's the final good one that I can think about. And a lot of you are doing this these days. You're telling people about our church and what we know about people today is before they are going to darken the door of the church, they want to check you out online. It's really a strange phenomenon. I meet new people all the time. They know me though they've never been to this church. They check us out online. So as I just said door, here's a way to think about it. Okay, here's a way to think about it. And I want to look into the, the, the camera and say this to those of you who are home right now and you got your slippers on, you got your PJs, you're drinking some good coffee. We love you. Here's how we would want to define online campus. It's a window into our church. It's a window into our church world. But to experience authentic Christianity, you need to walk through a door of one of our campuses. You need to walk through a door of one of our campuses. So here's what you can do. You can put your coffee down, go get dressed, and you got time to make it to a later worship celebration. Come on out. Would you let them know we welcome them? You come on out. You come on out. Don't, don't stay home and turn into an online Christian if there is such a thing. Hey, I want y'all to meet Maximus. I thought about letting you help me name him, but we got him named. This is Maximus. Open up your Bibles to Ephesians 6. We're gonna be spending eight weeks with this cat. Next Sunday, you're gonna show up and he's gonna be buck naked. And then every single, well, we'll probably keep the shorts on him. Every single week, every single week, we will take a piece of the armor that we're talking about from Ephesians 6 and we will dress this bad boy so that on week eight, hopefully, prayerfully, you are equipped and empowered and ready to put on the full armor of God and live out this thing called Christianity. I wanted you to see him all decked out at first. Is he not a bad dude? He's a bad dude, but you're supposed to be a bad dude as well. And you're supposed to be a bad woman of God. And the problem I find, and this is why I came back from sabbatical, and this is the fall series that I want us to go into. I am convinced that as I look out at the church today, the church universal, and let me just be real honest here as well, I see a lot of Christians who have not been taught how to fight the battle of life. They've not been equipped to win the war. In fact, some of them are not even aware that there's a war waging around us. And we're gonna talk about that today. But before we do, I'm just wondering, could, could we stand in honor of God's word today? As you're doing that, let me tell you a little bit about what we're getting ready to read. This is Ephesians 6. Ephesians is Paul's crowning testimony in the word of the Lord. Most scholars call it the queen of the epistles. I have a theory. I believe the reason why Ephesians is so awesome is because Paul was busy like you. And Paul wrote most of his other books. He was going from here to there, launching campuses, shipwreck, all that kind of stuff, persecuted, all that. When he wrote Ephesians... He was in a jail cell. 
He had plenty of time. It is his crowning theological treatise. And he actually pulls work from Colossians as well. But there's nothing quite like Ephesians. And this is where we're spending eight weeks. Listen to me read the word of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 or 10 through 20. Here we go. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Be what, church? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our what? Our what? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now we're going to talk about what Maximus is wearing, and I want you to read this next part with me. Ready? Go. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to... You sound great today. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet, Fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Praise God for his word. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. By the way, you have traditionally heard, and this is where if you got your old school Bibles, and I can't recommend that you bring these enough. If you got your old school Bibles or if you take notes on the teaching notes or in, your, in the app or whatever, you wanna take these kinds of notes down, okay, at the beginning of Ephesians so that you have a context or at least for the beginning of Ephesians 6. There has traditionally, there has traditionally been taught in the church that there are six pieces of armor, six pieces of armor, there is not six pieces of armor. If you read this text carefully, there is a seventh piece of armor. And though it might not be hard, firm armor that we have decked out on Maximus here, it is a critical piece of armor that Paul is running throughout this passage. And it is the piece of prayer. Prayer. 1.14 p.m. or a.m. every day. Our church is praying like never before. 
Can I connect a dot for you? I believe that's why we've had so much of a revival in the last few months here because we are praying like never before. People called into ministry, people getting involved in ministry, people baptized, hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of people saved. We are praying and this prayer armor is one that's gonna run throughout the entire series. Now lean in as we get into this because more than anything today, I'm just, I'm gonna offer you an overview of where we're going in the next eight weeks in hopes that you will not miss a single Sunday. Today is to whet your appetite and bring an awareness of the battle that we're in. I've returned from the summer sabbatical more convinced than ever with some deep-seated convictions I have looked closely at the world in which we live, the state of many believers in our church and around the world. I've studied closely high-profile pastors and leaders who have had major moral failures and are now out of the game. And in light of these things, I'm more convinced than I have ever been before. We are in a battle. We are in a war that is waging around us. And some people, number one, Christians are not even aware of the battle that is taking place, number one. And even if they are, many are not equipped to fight in the midst of the battle. So we are going to fully engage in this fall season, a series that I believe if we will lean in, if we will appropriate it, it's a game changer. Game changer. Game changer for our church. Game changer for our staff, which we spent the last two months at all staff talking about this passage, praying for this series. Game changer for our staff and game changer for you. I firmly believe that. Paul says, finally, crowning achievement of the queen of epistles. He gets to the end of it and he says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Are you strong in the Lord? Are you suited up? Stick with me eight weeks and I believe it can radically change your life because the adjectives, and the verbs that are supposed to envelop the life of the believer are words like this, warrior, warrior, stand firm. Do I have any overcomers in the house? Overcomers, freedom, victory, salvation, peace, truth, faith, life. Does that describe you? It's okay if it doesn't. This is what we're going after. Does that describe you? I've found that unfortunately a more popular list of adjectives and verbs to describe Christians today are words like this. Intimidated. Confused. Weak. Wow. Bondage. Defeat. Turmoil. Chaos. Lies and uncertainty, death. Which which screen do you fall in? 
It's high time that the church of Jesus Christ learns to engage the battle. It's time for us to get battle ready. It's time for new hope to raise up. It's time for the sleeping giant, the church universal, to lift up. Be aware of what is going on around us and learn to fight the battle because Satan is a liar. The devil is a liar. And some of you are like, I'm not even sure there is a devil. Like you, you, you looked at a little fat man in a red suit with a pitchfork and horns and you said, I don't believe it. That's not Satan. That's a caricature. That's not Satan. And the way Satan has started to, if I might say so, seemingly defeat the church and Christians at time is through the art of deception. Some of you are deceived. You're just deceived. And he wants you deceived. I went to the state fair on Friday. Like, I really wanted to go to this. I'm a state, any state fair lovers? And if you're at the state fair right now and you're watching this on your phone, you, de <laughs> you definitely need to get your rear end to the car and come to a New Hope campus. But I was at the state fair. Amy knew I wanted to go and it was her birthday. And just, she's such an amazing woman. I don't even really think she wanted to go that much, but she said, come on, let's go to the fair. So we went to the fair and I was so excited. Got to the fair. I made it two hours. Two hours, two rides later, a sausage dog and a fried Snickers. And I'm like, it's time to go home. <laughs> but I love the fair. I love the sights and the sounds and the smell. But have you noticed, how many of you play games, those games at the fair? You waste your money on those games. They, they're full of deception. They, they, they are supposed to make it look easy, but they're really hard. Thankfully, I didn't spend any money on those games, but I did notice one, one of those little deception houses that you go into, right, where everything's deceiving you. It's kind of like a haunted house, if you will. And, and the title above it was, Head of a Beautiful Girl, Body of an Ugly Snake. That's a lot like Satan. He puts these temptations in front of us that are luring and they look beautiful and they look enticing and he deceives us because he is nothing more than the ugly Satan snake that we studied last week in Genesis 3. He is alive and well on planet earth and his goal is to deceive us. He is a liar. Here's what you wanna write down to get us going. If we learn to live battle ready, putting on the armor of God, we can actually experience power and, what's this word? Victory in the midst of death and defeat. From the top, out loud with me, ready, go. If we learn to live battle ready, putting on the armor of God, we can actually experience power and in the midst of death and defeat. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. What does it mean to be battle ready? What am I trying to lead us towards? What does it mean to be battle ready? For our struggle, for our what? You might wanna write in the margins of your Bible or in your teaching notes, we wrestle. We wrestle. Life is a wrestling match. Life is a struggle. Can I get an amen? amen? 
As one counselor said to me one time, it's hard down here. It's like, it's hard down here. And I don't think many of us give that enough awareness. Life is hard. There is a struggle. Here's the first thing. Write this down. The struggle is real. <laughs> Young people are going to be happy we put that in there. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor right now. Say, the struggle is real. At all the campuses. Now look at your other neighbor, which you don't like as much. Say, the struggle is real. <laughs> it's real. The struggle is real. Let me be crystal clear. We struggle. We wrestle. We are in a battle. We are in a fight. Every single one of you, you are in a wrestling match. My son, Wesley Jacob, he's one of my twin boys. He introduced my family to a sport that we, we've never done before. Like I grew up the Southern Three, right? Baseball, basketball, football. That's all we played. None of this soccer stuff, none of this lacrosse stuff. Baseball, basketball, football. <laughs> but Wesley decides he's gonna veer outside of our lane, right? <laughs> and he, he takes on wrestling. Wrestling. And... Um, Man, he, Wesley's just natural. He's a fighter. And uh, he took up wrestling all on his own. I didn't instigate it. I didn't, even know how to, I, didn't, I didn't even know how to teach it. I didn't even know what he was doing. He took on wrestling and uh, went to state in high school, went to the state championship. He, he's, he's bad to the bone, if I might say so myself. But what, what my point is, he introduced me to wrestling. And for those of you who know wrestling, it is a phenomenal sport. You might be out there on the mat by yourself, but it's a team sport. The camaraderie and the community amongst wrestlers is unlike anything I've ever seen. It's a sport you might have thought, what I might have thought before, is you just get on the mat and you just roll around with somebody and you're in a little, uh, in a, in a little awkward suit. Um, <laughs> I did just say that. Yeah, what's it called? It's called a, um, a singlet. You're, you're, you're in a singlet. I don't know that I would ever be caught dead. In a singlet. But you got to be bad through the bone to put on a singlet. You know what I'm saying? And, and Wesley put on a singlet. And he, he was kicking butt and taking names. And, and you, it's not just rolling around on the ground. No, no, you got to learn maneuvers. You learn how to wrestle. You learn what the, what the enemy is up to. You got to have tenacity. You got to have grit. You have to have Holy Spirit-infused resolve. We wrestle. We struggle. And some of us are not even aware that we're in a battle. This series is going to help put vocabulary to what many of you have felt, and you just have not been aware of it. Whether we are white, black, brown, single, married, young, old, rich, poor. We are all in a battle. The struggle is real. Open war is upon you. Whether you acknowledge it or not, or whether you will risk it or not. If you want your one and only life to count for something significant. If, and I can only imagine this is why you're here. If you want to have a relationship with God and you want your life to be used of God, open war is upon you. 
there's a bullseye on your back. You are in the crosshairs of the enemy. And by the way, you're in a church that's in the crosshairs of the enemy. 15 years ago, we put a stake in the ground and we claimed Central North Carolina, now Columbia, now Kenya, and everywhere we go. We put a stake in the ground and we said, this is God's territory. We are gonna make Jesus Christ the famous one. Satan, we are going to kick you in your teeth, get thee behind us. And from that day forward, we picked a fight with the enemy. And he's been coming at us ever since. There's a war. Everybody say the struggle is real. Write this down. Write this down. Here's the next thing. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the, what's these two words? Against the what? Spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The struggle is spiritual. The first one did I just kind of open up today, just in overview, the struggle is real. Secondly, the struggle is spiritual. Priscilla Shire tells a story in her Bible study. By the way, my wife and uh, a one such, Tanae DeBerry, is doing a women's Bible study on Sunday afternoons here at the Durham campus. So if you're at any campuses, you're welcome to come. It's at the Durham campus. It's at like 5.30 in the afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. 5.30 on Sunday evenings uh, up in the... Huh? Four? Same thing. Four. Four. Four p.m. Any, any women can come from the other campuses and be a part of this. It's a, and they already have like 50 or 60 women signed up. It's going to be a Bible study on this subject matter. And Priscilla Shire is an amazing woman of God out in Texas. She and her husband, I'm a big fan of Priscilla and her husband, Tony Evans. They've both done great work. And um, I've read their stuff. Love it, love it, love it. Priscilla tells a story in Texas where uh, some folks from her church, some folks from her church went to, a, um, to an adoption, I mean, not an adoption, I'm sorry, an abortion clinic. And I know it's a controversial issue, but listen, just listen to me. They went to an abortion clinic and they, they went and they decided they were just going to pray. They weren't gonna be violent. They weren't gonna yell at people. They were just going to pray. And so they would get out there in Texas and it was in the wintertime. She tells this story this one day, it was in the wintertime and it was cold for Texans. That's like 55 degrees. And they're, they're up there and they're, they're praying. They're by the road. They can't get too close to the abortion clinic. And, a, and a, I think it was a white truck pulls up and it parks right in front of the abortion clinic. And they're, they're just praying. And, and the, the truck is facing the abortion clinic. They're out by the road. They can't get any closer. They don't want to get any closer. They just go there and they pray in the spiritual realm and they're praying and they're watching. And like I said, it's a chilly day for Texas. They can see the exhaust coming out of the exhaust pipe on that old white truck. And, and Priscilla says it, that the, the prayer warriors were watching and they could see that every now and then the man who was driving and the woman who was in the passenger seat, they kept looking at each other and they were bickering and arguing. You could tell they were bickering and arguing. And every now and then they would see the, the woman put her heads down and her shoulders start you know, bouncing up and down because she was crying and the truck would cut off. 
and they would see the exhaust stop coming out of the pipes and they just kept praying and praying and praying and the truck would turn on and they would see the exhaust come out and this went on and on and on, arguing, weeping, cutting the truck off, turning the truck on until finally, finally, the truck cranked up and they saw the white reverse lights and the truck backed out and the couple rode away. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. The struggle is spiritual. It's in the heavenly realms. And sometimes we have to step back, if you will, step back and realize that there is a battle. There is a struggle that is taking place in the words of Paul and Ephesians in the heavenlies or in the heavenly places. There is a battle. And your tendency is to think your wife is the enemy or your husband is the enemy or your children are the enemy or that boss antichrist right <laughs> or your work is the enemy listen your enemy is not of flesh and blood your enemy is living and prowling in the spiritual realms and he wants to kick your rear end and hand it to you on a platter it is spiritual and as long as we make it of people on this earth, we miss it. It is spiritual. And watch this. The Bible tells us that Satan can convince us. If you are not careful, Satan will convince you that because he is invisible, he is fictional. Because I can't see him, he must not be real. Or because I can't see him, he might be real, but I'm not going to take him seriously. And hear me. The moment you do that, the moment you do that, you've been deceived. He's won the battle. He's going to whip your rear end and you're going to live a life of defeat and chaos and lies and intimidation. You're not going to live the life God's calling you to live. So I got to move quick. I got to move quick. But I need to do this before I leave today. Again, it's just overview because I need, to, I need to define Satan to you. I need to describe what and who Satan is. And so if it's okay with you, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hunker down up here and this might feel like a little seminary class or cemetery class. <laughs> but I need, I need to do this. I need to make sure we know who our enemy is. Like, if, if, if you follow sports at all, before you can go into a battle, you've got to know who your opponent is. Before This is why coaches and teams go out and they watch all kinds of film footage of their opponent that they're about to play. You have to know who your opponent is and you'll never go along with me if you don't get this straight. And some of it's going to be Hard for you to understand. Some of it is a stretch. I, I, I struggle with understanding some of this, but you gotta understand it from the sovereignty and the free will perspective of God. Here is the first thing I would say to you. Let's just do a little biblical survey and a biblical count of the history of Satan. And I'm gonna move quick 
but I know you are ready to get it all down and let's go. God Christ, God slash Christ, created all things, including Satan. See, we gotta get our theology right. We can never live victorious, abundant lives, faithful lives if we don't put on our thinking caps and think. God is the creator of all things. Can I get an amen? If he's the creator of all things, we say that, then he's the creator of all things. To which you might say, well, okay, well, how does, how does Satan fit into all that? I'm about to show you. Let's look at some scripture. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, what's that word? By him what? All, all, all things. You're not gonna believe this. It means all things. All things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and Okay, Colossians 1. God created Satan as a beautiful and wise angel, but his pride corrupted him. Some of you might not have ever heard what I'm about to teach you. Others of you might have heard it briefly. This is orthodox, biblical Christianity. God created Satan. In the beginning, God created all things, and it was good. Why? Because God is all good. You got to get that right. The fall that happened in the garden that we talked about last week, the fall of humanity, that was not God's doing. God created paradise. The garden was heavenly. It was paradise, but he gave us this thing called free will. This is why bad things happen in this world. God could have created us like a bunch of puppets and just controlled us. But he didn't. And as Richard Hayes, Dr. Richard Hayes of Duke Divinity School used to tell us in class, God has, if you will, bound himself to this free will that he has given us. He gave us free will. He created the angels. And one angel went bad and pride took him down. Let me show you. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. Ezekiel 28. Let's continue. How you have what? Fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You have weakened the nations, okay? But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high God. Pride took him down. That's why the Bible says pride comes before the fall or before destruction. I will make myself like the most high God. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, hell. You will be thrust down to hell to the recesses of the pit. Okay? He is the tempter. He is a liar. Everybody said Satan is a liar. He's a liar. He's a murderer. On this earth, here's what's key, here's what's key. Write this down. For a season. For a season. For a season. But he's a liar. He's a tempter. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain. I'm showing you scriptures. just backing up everything I'm talking to you about. So he's a tempter. He's a liar. He, he tempted and lied to Jesus. Come on, church. If he did that to Jesus, don't you think he's coming after you and me? 
Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Listen to me. There's power in the name of Jesus. You declare Jesus over Satan when he comes at you. This is a side note and quote scripture at him. Lift up the name of Jesus and quote scripture and Satan and all of his demons scurry into the darkness from which they came. Come on now. Then the devil left him. Bye-bye. And then after you do it, you go, bye-bye. And behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Thank you, Lord is right. Listen to me. Oh, don't miss this. There's grave danger in not realizing that Satan is real and so is the struggle. Some of you, the best thing you're gonna learn out of this series is you're just gonna become keenly aware of the struggle. There's grave danger in not realizing it. That's how he wants to deceive you. But listen, listen, this is also important. This is important, watch this. There's also grave danger in giving Satan too much credibility and fixation. He's only around for a season. He's gonna be cast into hell forever and he is no rival to Jesus Christ. Realize he's real, but don't get overly fixated on him and don't you dare give him too much credibility. He is no rival to Jesus. Last thing, the victory is certain and irreversible. The victim is what? The victory is what? Certain and the victory. Your victory. My victory. If we lean on the power of Jesus, we trust the gospel. We let the blood of Jesus forgive us of our sins as so many people did last week. We put on the armor of God. The victory is certain and it's irreversible. Have you, have you read the book? Have you, have you gotten to the end? When you get to the end, a little bit before the maps, you know what I'm saying? A little bit more before the concordances. When you get to the end, we win. We win. We win. The dragon and his angels waged war and they were not strong enough and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent, the serpent all the way back to Genesis 3 of old who is called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. You can read it with me. I love it that you want to go. Let's go. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. The victory is certain and irreversible. He cannot beat you and me if we are in Christ, but maybe you figured this out. There's a lot of Christians in the world who still live jacked up, defeated lives. You can get into heaven and live a jacked up life. 
What do you say we learn to put on the armor of God? What do you say we learn to do battle right and get this thing right? I'm gonna give you a closing illustration. I'm gonna make it quick. Douglas MacArthur. Douglas MacArthur, one of the greatest five-star generals once said, in war, there is no substitute for victory. Say that with me. In war, there is no substitute for victory. Well, listen to me, church. That's doubly true for spiritual warfare. We find ourselves as children of God in a very intense war that is waging in the 21st century. But hear this, you want to write this down if you're still taking notes. God wants you to be victorious. Not just in heaven. Like I said, you can accept Jesus and have your ticket to heaven and live a jacked up life. This is a series that's going to teach us how to live victoriously in the midst of a dark and dying world. Are you with me? This is about being battle ready. This is about equipping you to appropriate and apply the word of the Lord. I read a true story about a coach who had an awesome senior who was a great football player, spent four years under the coach's tutelage and finally the kid graduated and the coach grabbed the kid and said, hey, I'd like for you to come help me coach. So the kid came back and was helping him coach and the coach looked at him and said, I want you to help me find great players for our team. And the young boy said, I'd be glad to coach. I'll be glad to help you. And the coach said, now you know in football, there are those that when they take a hit, they get knocked down and they won't get up. And the coach said, do we want those kinds of players? And, and the young budding coach said, no coach, we don't want those. He said, right. He said, there's other kinds of kids. They, they take a hit and they get up. But then once they get another hit, they go down. Now, do, you, do, we want, do we want those? They stay down. Coach said, no, no, no. The young coach said, no, we don't want those. Finally, the coach said, well, then you got those other kids and they'll, they're, they're tough. They're resilient. They get hit. They go down. They get up. They get hit again. They go down. They get up. They get hit again. They go down. They get up. He goes, do we want, do we want those players? The young, young budding coach said, yeah, that's the ones we want. Yes, that's the ones we want. Coach said, no, we don't. We want the ones who are hitting them and putting them down. Battle ready is about you and I getting on the offense. Some of you have been living with defense as your strategy all these years and Satan's kicking your butt and you know it. And I'm right there with you. I've been there. Like I, I'm, not, I'm not throwing stones at you. I've been there. God comes to us in this series and says to us, no, 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 it's time for you as a movement to get on the offense. By the way, the best defense is a good offense. Come with me on an eight-week journey. Let's learn to put on the armor of God. 
Meet me here at a campus every single Sunday with the word in the hand. Be prayed up and let's go get battle ready in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let the people of God say amen, amen. Hey, sign off to the campuses. Keep it going. We love you guys. We love you. You're in great hands. God bless you.